0: Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Yeah.
0: Hashtag Utah Jazz. Hey,
2: my, my first practice is I see, you know, it's a group, a uh, great group of guys, you know, I mean, uh, the communication there, you know, they trust each other. And I uh, really, I watched the games even before that, you know, and uh, I think the way they play, you know, the chemistry and a high level. So I think, like, this is the part of the, you know, the team kind of when you're moving forward, you know. And I think, uh, you know, this is the great opportunity, you know, and, uh, when you see it, the way they play, you know, share the ball, move the ball, you know, kind of everybody kind of back each other. And I think this is what it takes to win championship. That's Urson Ilyas over there in his first practice. His first impression of the Jazz. Saying all the right things, P.K.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would expect that. He's a veteran. Uh, he knows what he's getting into. 13 years in the league, I think we said yesterday. So, absolutely. and He'll just come and try to find his way and see what uh, Quint Snyder has in store for him and go from there.
2: And Quint Snyder would like to see how he produces and then he'll know better what he has in store for him. So... It all starts tonight, Jazz and the Rockets. Rockets went into the break with a 13-game losing streak, and they made it 14 straight losses with a decisive 125-105 defeat to the Sacramento Kings. P.J. Tucker didn't play, apparently won't play tonight, apparently won't ever play again for Houston. He uh, he wants to be traded ahead of the deadline and seems to be intent on injecting a little urgency into everything. And then Eric Gordon got hurt, got Helped off the court with a non-contact injury. So, what's left of the Rockets showing up tonight to play the Jazz? Should be an easy win. That's what it should be. That's what it looks like. 8 o'clock tonight. Pre-game will start at 7 here on The Zone with Jake and uh, Tim Lacombe. And then uh, David Locke with a call at 8. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA. Nets control, hard to the front court. Out on the left side, Irving's got it. Long three, bang, he knocked it down. Oh, Kyrie from way behind the arc. 12 to shoot, Devin on the left side, spots up for three and hits nothing but the bottom of the net, giving the Suns a 10 point lead with under five minutes left to go. Here's a steal by Giannis. He breaks away, slams it with two hands. A steal, a dunk. For the MVP. Blue, top of the key. Three to shoot. Pump fake. Two dribbles. Outside Leonard. Right wing three. A deep one. Oh, yeah. goo Leonard. Big time delivery. As the shot clock expires. Trey drives.
2: He gets run into. He gets it back outside. Three-pointer Tony. Bang! And the Hawks
0: have won. The Atlanta Hawks have come back and won. Tony Snell hits a three at the buzzer. And the Hawks win this thing. 121 to 120.
2: All right, there's some highlights from around the league. The games that matter most to Jazz fans. One of those early highlights, you heard the Phoenix Suns beating the Blazers. Devin Booker goes for 35. Damian Lillard's 30 isn't enough. Blazers get beat by the Suns, 127-121. to And the Clippers blow out the Warriors, 130-104. to Top four teams in the West combined to lose 47 games before the break, PK. Why do I feel like you should take the under on the second half of the season? That these teams are really going to get rolling now? A little more urgency, and the teams at the bottom, maybe a little give up?
1: I can't answer your feelings. That's something that you're just going to have to come to grips with on your own. What
2: kind of a partner are
1: you? Come on! I mean, because your feelings are so complex and so deep, it's hard for me to get down there to the oh, root cause of the issue.
2: How about the top portion of the league is really going to beat the snot out of the bottom portion of the league right now? And the Jazz would better be on their game because everybody else is going to be on their game.
1: You know, I'm not so sure about the bottom portion, how much snot they have in them to be able to beat the snot out of them. What does that mean?
2: All right, I give up. You win! Don't ever give up.
1: You win! Don't ever give up. Fine. Don't ever give up. <laughs> Don't ever give up. Jimmy They're telling me I've got uh, I've got five minutes, and, and and I'm lit up like a Christmas tree. Fanabla! Don't ever give up.
2: Other NBA scores of interest to note: those were the very short-handed Seventy Sixers, and it didn't matter. Seven guys in double figures. Dwight Howard coming off the bench to give them 18 and 12. And the Sixers beat the Bulls, 127-105. No Embiid, no Simmons, no problem. They win again.
1: That's the Knolls they beat, if you look closely. I, I
2: just <laughs> overlooked that and cleaned that up for Yach. I know he likes to put some typos in there to see, see what he can get me to say. But
1: Seven for seven. That is the number this year. We had uh, Barcelo. Uh, made that George Niang. And now Tony Bradley. I got to admit, I did not know Tony Bradley was on the 76ers. And he went 7 for 7 as a starter because they kept Dwight Howard on in his bench roll. So t- Tony Bradley's sighting. I knew the Jazz never should have got rid of him. Nah, Aha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you heard the dramatic game winner from Tony Snell. Right wing. Three at the buzzer. Atlanta beats Toronto 121 to 120. Nets didn't have, uh, didn't have a big guy, no Kevin Durant, didn't matter, they beat the Celtics 121-109. Kyrie Irving scoring 40 points against his old team.
1: So oh, we've seen that a million times, yeah. the guy goes back to his old team, his old place and goes nuts.
2: And Miami Heat big man Myers Leonard has been fined 50 grand and suspended from all team activities and facilities for one week for his use of an anti-Semitic slur during a video game live stream earlier this week. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college basketball. Tip is won by Evan Mobley. Isaiah White claims it, gives it back to Edie, and the Trojans will have it first. Edie comes to his right. Edie dribbles into a mid-range pull-up and knocks it through. Nice start to overtime for Taj, Edie, and the Trojans. Mobley at the elbow. Evan will face up on Carlson, gets in the lane. Evan has an angle, steps through, left-hand layup is good off glass. USC finally has a two-possession lead. I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. Everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, Jesus, is my number in the
2: rafters or what? Highlights from USC's win, and Patrick Ewing does not want to be stopped and checked for a pass at Madison Square Garden. He's seven feet tall. He played at the team for over a decade, and he kind of expects to be able to go wherever he wants.
1: Oh, Who are you? DJ. Who DJ are you? Misses, DJ misses the obvious.
2: <laughs> Who are you? Did you see the meme on uh, on Twitter? Shot out of no. Space Jam, Charles Barkley and some guy. It's Barkley and Ewing standing next to each other.
1: I'm just going to read all the columns that will be coming forth.
2: And you heard highlights as USC beats Utah double overtime. The Utes in Martinez pressure-free throws to get them to OT. Two seconds left. He went two for two. Plummer hitting a rainbow three over a defender to get it to double OT. But the Utes started having too many guys foul out and ran out of gas. And that was the end of that. They finished the year 12-13, and 13, USC into the semis.
1: Well, the good thing is with them losing all those guys fouling out that we got to find out that Brenchley is a creative genius. I had no idea. But Bill Walton told us that when he checked in there. A creative genius, no less, Bill Walton, where he comes up with this stuff. Yeah, I have no qualms on the Utes effort. I mean, they, 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 obviously they battled hard. Uh, I do have qualms with the this dumb foul rule. It's got to change. Let the team have the ball, again, if somebody commits over 5 fouls. And then in overtime, give them an extra foul per overtime. So it ends up being longer than an NBA game, and you have one less foul that you could commit for disqualification. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me why Mobley, who's a big-time prospect... Who can shoot a three at the lay, at the uh, rim, practically, with his feet behind the line because his arms are so long. He could practically do an underhand layup. He's so large and wingspan and all that. He can only play a few minutes in the first half because he picks up two fouls. They've got to change that, man. they just got to change that rule. And then see all these Utes foul out. I think the Trojans had one guy foul out. This seems yeah. so stupid.
2: Yeah, USC had one guy foul out. The Utes had four including eventually Timmy Allen. Uh, Utah State, it looked a lot like Fresno State. They had 18 points about 18 minutes into this game, but they were defending, so they only down six. They went on a 6-0 run, tied the game at halftime, and then came out like a completely different team in the second half. Ended up scoring 50 points in the second half, and they blow out UNLV 74-53. to So Utah State, Colorado State, 10 o'clock tonight, a couple of bubble teams squaring off. Somebody's going to get a good win, and somebody is really going to be stressed when this one is over. They will have put their fate in somebody else's hands and probably end up getting disappointed, but we'll see. 10 o'clock tonight. 10 o'clock? Thought it was 9. It's 10. 10 p.m. too. 10 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. Scotty G will have the call starting at 9.30. Big Sky, Weber State got upset by Montana. Montana shot over 60% and beat them 80-75. to 75. SUU won is expected, beat Northern Colorado. SUU and Montana State, 5 o'clock in the semis today in the Big Sky. And UVU and New Mexico State in the WAC semifinals, 9 o'clock tonight. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NFL. I don't know about him not wanting to be a Houston Texan, but what I hear from the outside, uh, I just know that he's a Houston Texan. He's ours. We're committed to him. And we're going to go with that. As of right now, there is no contingency plan from the standpoint of, of he, is a, he is a Houston Texan. And, and, and basically, that's how we're moving forward with it. That's Texans coach
2: David Coley on Deshaun Watson's status. Uh, okay, that's all stuff a coach is uh, supposed to say. You really think on opening day, he's going to be coaching Watson or should the watch continue for the season opener
1: that's that's not Cully's responsibility so what he says really doesn't matter I mean he's not management in terms of making the trades Uh, I think it's a possibility the guy's under contract what's he going to do sit out
2: a lot of money to sit out and lose
1: you're playing football why would you want to sit out and lose money that didn't make any sense to me so yeah I think it's a possibility
2: Chiefs release starting offensive tackles Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. A cost-saving move; it'll save over 18 million against the salary cap. Fisher's a former number one overall pick, and he tore his Achilles in the AFC title game. Schwartz missed most of the season with a back injury, and obviously, Chiefs had issues in the Super Bowl trying to protect Patrick Mahomes against that Tampa Bay rush. So, time to rebuild the O line, and they save 18 million in cap room to go do that.
1: Well, they drew straws on who cut. And it was shorts. That's a Christmas storyline on the F bomb.
0: Yeah, the shorts. (laughs) Mom, Mom,
1: what I do? What I do? As he gets whacked. Could you do that today? Did you have a parent? Could they portray that in in today's world? A parent uh, smacking a, a child.
2: Uh, I don't think I've seen it in anything lately. Not that I've seen a lot of movies lately. Yeah, maybe if you portrayed it olden times, because that's the way it was. But if you said it in modern times, or you said it in current day, it seems unlikely. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag Major League Baseball. So
2: Major League Baseball reorganized the minor leagues. Got rid of some clubs, and now they're going to start changing the rules in the minor leagues, test-driving stuff that they may want to try in the major leagues. You up for a 15-second pitch clock, PK?
1: That seems long.
2: Don't really need 15 seconds? Call the pitch and let's go.
1: It does to me, yeah. I, I, want, I, I don't know what the average time in between pitches is, so I'd have to see that. To determine if that's how that would be.
2: The bees last time that we saw them on the field had a twenty second clock out there at
1: Smith Ballpark. Tighten it up, yeah, and I mean, see how it goes. Yeah, I'd say get on with it. But Anna, you know, these things, these that, that's not the one that caught me the, the shifting no, is all the is, shifting uh,
2: rules. Four guys have gotta have two feet on the infield dirt. So now tell the grounds crew, carve that dirt a little more towards the outfield, uh, will you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That you
2: get and then that. they've they've said maybe later they'll make uh, do something about how many guys have to be on which side of the bag.
1: Right, right. But I mean, at least they get a,
2: rid of the second baseman in short right field, taking away well, that line drive single. Yeah, whoever
1: that might be. I mean, Machado made a play in right field yeah. last year. And he's a third baseman, uh, so yeah, I understand that. The, the shortening of the time. I mean, we're talking about three or four minutes, five minutes. Is that that big of a deal? No,
2: I think people would like to see a half an hour cut off a uh, a three hour game.
1: But I don't know that you can do that, though. You see what I'm saying? I, I get it, uh, but I think to I point I agree with you, but I don't I don't think you can do that.
2: To Yock's point, you know, if they take 20, they try it at 15. Are we going to see them try it at 12 or 10 seconds and try mm-hmm. to speed it up? But it won't. That alone won't do it. They'll have to do other stuff. And one of the other things is limiting pickoff moves. So if you limit pickoff moves. Which is a, you know, more guys try to hit home runs. It seems like guys are trying to run less. So well, are, it seems like a the smaller. Of steals
1: is way down. Right. So hold... I, I don't know how many times they throw over anymore. Right. I think that's old school anyway. Yep. And the fact of the matter is if a game goes uh, two hours and 47 minutes and your team wins 13 to two, do you really care?
2: More games governed by an electronic strike zone. Umps, your strike zone's all over the place. Never mind. We don't need you for this.
1: And I get that, but at the same time, with these reviews, we've taken away some entertainment value. There's no Lou Pinellas and Billy Martin's and Earl Weaver's anymore going out there las sortas and screaming at the umpires and carrying on. You just don't see that that much anymore. And that always was an adrenaline rush for fans when you'd see, usually it's a... Uh, it seems like it's a little dude who's a manager going face to chest with somebody, and so we've eliminated that in terms of getting the right call. It's probably the right thing to do, and it's probably the right thing to do here with the strike zone. But you're going to eliminate uh, some entertainment value. Everything has a cost. Just to, you know what, how much are you paying for that cost, and is it making the game better? Whatever that particular game is.
2: And larger bases. So every base, the side of the base is going to be three inches longer. So now they'll be six inches. The first and second base are six inches closer to each other. Second and third are six inches. And this is said in the story I read, it make for marginally more stealing of bases, but they also want to cut down on collisions with a bigger bag. Yeah. So a little safety, and maybe it helps a little offense marginally occasionally.
1: Well, I think what they need to do is put two bags at first, side by side.
2: Ah, softball, baby.
1: So you don't you don't have to run into each other there.
2: All right. Well, they'll extre- they'll experiment with that in the minors this year, and then we'll see how that goes.
1: Uh, one thing on the NFL front, just seeing this come across, the Patriots are re-signing
2: Cam Newton on a one-year deal worth up to fourteen million dollars. So he's headed back to work with Bill Belichick. Back to New England. That's a little surprising. Unless he's dramatically healthier, I wouldn't expect any different results. If they know he was playing with something and he's going to be healthier, that would be one thing, I guess. But All right, there you go, the latest. Cam Newton back to the Patriots. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz at 8.30. Chris Camrani covering the Utes, 9 o'clock. He just wrote a, uh, a big story uh, with Quinn Snyder and, and his roots in coaching. And also he's covering the Utes as spring football gets ready to get underway on Monday. And we'll have Kyle Whittingham on the radio Monday and Fridays at 8 o'clock during spring football. The Utes with Monday, Wednesday, and Friday availabilities. Assistant coaches, players too. All right, DJ and PK, the question today is coming up next. Stay
0: with us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
2: Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Sam, do you have a favorite for Coach of the Year? The minute you said Coach of the Year, you know, my brain went straight to Quinn. so I think that's probably pretty telling. Kids get consideration, for sure, but some of the young guys have progressed, and I'm not trying to say that they don't have a foundation at all, but there's part of me that feels like the Knicks have kind of gone all in on having Julius Randle kind of get loose and then, you know, playing Derrick Rose big minutes and and leaning into some bets that get you over the top. To me, it's not in the same is what Utah has done. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
2: DJ PK, Hot Takes and Toast, brought to you by Jerry signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry signer Cadillac today. All right, Hot Takes or Toast. Question of the day. we got multiple questions today. Well, let's start with the college hoops since the game was last night and the Utah season came to end. The Utes won a Pac-12 tournament game for the first time since 2016. They took number 2 seed USC to double overtime. Is that enough to bring back Larry Kristoviak? And there are a lot of people weighing in on this, PK. It goes to what you have said for a long time. Even though attendance was down before they closed the games to attendance, even though attendance was down and interest was lagging, there are still a lot of hardcore youth fans out there who are invested in Utah basketball. And their interest may have, uh, may have been scaled back a little bit, but they haven't completely gone away. They're still invested in the program.
1: Oh, on this issue, they'll come out of the woodwork. Yep. And there'll be millions of them.
2: There is a good, uh, there's a good jazz question here that got some good responses, but uh, we're starting with the Utes because they got a lot more responses, and they are all over the map. But I think for a lot of people, this isn't a basketball question. It comes down to the finances, and can they afford to buy him out, uh, we're running a $35 million deficit in the athletic department. Yes. Uh, Anthony says the huge deficit will be more than enough to bring Larry back. I disagree on that. Brian says they're not going to let him go and this year of lost revenue. He also says they'll be really good next year if the players stay.
1: (laughs) I've heard that a time or two.
2: You have. Uh, James says they need to fire him, but unfortunately he's got that huge buyout and they won't fire him.
1: Uh, You have to weigh the cost of keeping him, though. What is more expensive? Just simply keeping him may be more expensive than buying him out. Because if you keep him, then and you and you're determined that he should be gone. Um, this is a hypothetical here, so hear well, me out. Well, a lot
2: of, a lot of these people have determined that. I mean, this is what's going through their mind.
1: Yeah, they're fans and they don't have to pay though. That's, That's absolutely a, true. They don't have to write the check, thing. and they
2: don't have to explain it to their bosses.
1: They have the opportunity to voice their opinions, which is their what's what they're doing. But it comes down to Mark Harlan, and so if he's determined that that Larry isn't good enough. Keeping him could actually be more expensive because what you're doing then is buying mediocrity for two, three years. So over those two, three years going forward, who knows how long it'll take you to get out of it. I could even say four or five years. You'll lose more than whatever the buyout is. So it might be, if you're just looking at it from a money standpoint, your investment might be better now to buy him out. If you've determined that, He's not good enough, and I need a replacement, and I'm just waiting out the opportunity to not have the buyout, to have the contract expire, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying Mark has reached that conclusion whatsoever. I'm using hypothetically if he's reached that conclusion, it might save you money over the next five years to pay that up front now, get rid of it, get somebody else in there who can rebuild that program at least uh, to ballpark level of what you have this has been an historically great program you've had some downtimes for sure as everybody does but this has been one of the better programs in the west i don't think you can argue that and those fans are all there they didn't go away they may be apathetic towards the program right now but this question is not about the answer to the program right now. It's about the answer to the program going forward to the next four or five years, and those fans most definitely and most passionately are still there, and they'll always be there until they pass.
2: So if it's a purely basketball question and you don't worry about the finances whatsoever, and a historically great program, if you look it up, Top 15, or, you know, top 15 schools in wins, in winning percentage, four Final Fours, 16 Sweet Sixteens. I mean, the legacy is there. And historically, coaches who've missed the NCAA tournament for two or three years have been let go. And Larry's now missed it for five. Jim Boylan missed it twice and got let go. Ray Jack Letty missed it twice, got let go. Rick Majerus got let go, even though they went in his last full season. You know, there were other issues there. Lynn Archibald missed it three times and got let go. Uh, Jerry Pym left after going to the Sweet 16. Bill Foster was uh, here three years. Never went to the NCAA tournament. Right, so you're going back to Jack Gardner. You're going back more than 50 years. Well, there were no at-large bids then. So the results on the court, 45 and 42 is the record over the last three seasons. 45 wins and 42 losses. So from a basketball question... And if you keep him based on basketball, you're making an unprecedented decision. And I guess if he comes back and reels off multiple Sweet 16s, then it's justified. But where is the indication that's going to happen? I I don't see it. I, I don't see how you can even spin it.
1: Well, they took an NCAA tournament team right to the double overtime with uh at least one if not multiple nba players you're asking me to spin it i'm trying to spin it Uh, so a majority of the talent is there i don't know if it's coming back if it all comes back i don't know if Allen is coming back i don't know Uh, jim boylan made a point to us he was on our air uh, several years ago and he says the one thing you have to worry about foreign guys is that they have the opportunity to go home and play in some professional league overseas. And they've got uh, at least a couple of guys coming over from foreign – that are foreign. Obviously, they're basically part of their nucleus. Two of their starters are foreign. So I can't answer if those guys are coming back. But if they return the team, I think they can be a pretty good team next year. So and I don't, it's not much of a stretch. Because there were times this year, they showed that they were they were pretty good. There was just the maddening inconsistency, that it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. And in a sense, even though they lost to SC in double overtime, they finished on that high note. They, they, they found some consistency. That game could have been won, and you know if they don't have half the team foul out, blah blah blah. But that's what the teams who lose do. You either come, you could create a bunch of what if scenarios. Uh, the team that wins goes on and, and then. Plays gets ready for the next game. The team that loses blames the refs. And looks at the what-if scenarios. But the point being that there's some talent on that team. They played a game without their starting point guard. You know he wasn't there, Jones. So I I can see it. I think, I, is there somebody out there that you just you're just dying to have? Because some of these coaching situations, it just seems like you just bring somebody in. And Sun Devil Football has been doing it since John Cooper left in 1987. You just bring somebody in, or 1988, somewhere in there, and then he's there for four or five years, and then you let him go, and then you bring somebody else in, and he's there for four or five years, and the merry-go-round just continues. So how do I know? that somebody else out there is just waiting to just get this program blossoming to where it was in the 90s there's no guarantee on that so you can throw out larry christobyak like yesterday's trash all you want but what does that necessarily solve
2: well because of the scenario you just laid out that's why larry has a contract he has because utah's got this great history and they brought jackaletti in and he put Rick Majerus's team that was splintering and guys were going every which way, and he, he got Bogut back for another year and got Jackson back in the program and got him to a Sweet 16, but he missed a couple of tourneys, and so Chris Hill let him go, and Boylan was going to be the answer, and he got Jack Letty's guys as seniors to the tournament, but that was the only NCAA game they played in four years, so he let him go. So when Larry built it from the ground up, because everybody left after Boylan, I mean, there was literally one player on the roster who was a D1 player who came back. And so because Larry got him the Sweet 16, and to avoid that merry-go-round you just described, he got this massive contract.
1: Well, the pros were throwing stuff at him.
2: Absolutely, they were worried about him going to the he had NBA. some
1: pro background. Coach the Bucks. time as, yeah, and obviously played in the league for a number of years and is regarded well by pros. And so Chris jumped on that opportunity to extend him and now it's looking like it's biting him a little bit but at the time pros were coming after him and so he did what he did but that's all in the past I mean we can look back all we want but that doesn't have any bearing on what's available right now tell me who's out there that you just know is just an absolute slam dunk now I don't know Mark Harlan well enough but I knew Chris Hill well enough to where you know he would talk to me about stuff and and he always had a list of guys and that year that they went to the Sweet 16 they were up in Portland and the Stephen F Austin coach was uh, Brad Underwood and Chris told me right right we're talking about it in the hallway uh, man. and keep my eye on this guy uh, Brad Underwood and Brad Underwood is uh, kicking butt now is he at Illinois and gonna
2: be a number are, one seed probably
1: yeah and so the point being that Chris had – he always had a list, and he, t- he talked about it. You know, he said he always had a list. He didn't necessarily tell me every guy who was on the list, but I just used that as an example that Chris talked to me about Brad Underwood because they played the Utes, and you could see that Underwood had that Stephen F. Austin team. They had like 30 wins that year at their level, and they were a pretty good team. And, and Chris was impressed. I don't know if Mark has it. I've not spoken to him. And now you don't get to see these guys out on the road or in arenas and stadiums and all because of the COVID situation. So I don't know Mark well enough to know uh, what he's thinking as far as having a list. He's never really spoken about that. He's basically defended and supported uh, Larry publicly to every extent uh, in – What is he thinking? I can't say. Does he have a list? Does he feel like there's somebody out there who can come in and there's no guarantees? I understand that, so you're not going to get any guarantee. But it feels very, very strongly that I can get Coach XYZ in here and we can get this thing going. Because if you don't, aren't you just kind of throwing darts at at a dartboard in the dark and just so. well, now it's time we're going to make a change. So we're going to make a change because he hasn't gone to the NCAs in five years. And so let's make a change and keep our fingers crossed. I don't know that that necessarily is the way to go.
2: Well, I guess when you're an AD, these I mean, these are the biggest decisions. I mean, fundraising matters too. But football and basketball, you're building your rep. You hire good coaches yeah. and you build facility, raise money and build facilities, you're good to go. Now, you know, football's evolved to be much more important than basketball, but basketball still has importance in some schools, and I think Utah's one of them. So, you know, this is a, a big part of, you know, his legacy and, you know, his career going forward, too.
1: Of course, those are have the things you have to get, get right. Yeah,
2: who does he have he really wants to bet his rep on? And, you know, there are other things that sometimes come into consideration and, you know, we've seen presidents, uh, and <laughs> we know presidents can weigh in on hires sometimes, but the Utes president is leaving, so I wouldn't think that's a factor unless regions are going to weigh in on it. So, you know, how much does that weigh into all of this? Uh, Jacob on our Facebook page says, "As a BYU fan? Yes! Bring him back! Three exclamation points. And then some laughing emojis underneath it. Cougar fans feel like they can beat Beat the youths for talent in recruiting battles and then uh, beat them on the court. So they want it back.
1: Oh, uh, Possibly, yeah. I mean, they've been relying on grad transfers or transfers. And Pope's one and one against Larry. It's not like say. he's dominated. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's funny because BYU has a narrow pool of coaching candidates compared to Utah for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But yet there was one obvious candidate that they wanted, and that was Mark Pope. I mean, he was their guy that they wanted overwhelmingly that they wanted, and they went through this dog-and-pony coaching search, and this is exactly what it was, and they had to do it because in case Pope said no, but at no point was Pope never not the favorite. He was always the overwhelming favorite. The job was his before Dave Rose retired, (laughs) if he wanted it. And Utah, you don't have that. And which is not necessarily a negative. It's just sort of ironic that they had an over. They don't have a big coaching pool, but they had the one guy that they everybody agreed that they wanted. On I can remember standing there at the Marriott Center with Tom Homo and Braun Santiago. I said, "Well, what, when Dave Rose's retirement afterward, I talked. I said, well, what, when are you going to have the press conference for <laughs> you said uh, that Mark Pope. just to jam him
2: yeah.
1: up? <laughs> well, we all knew. I
2: know what you're doing. There was it was." <laughs> It was an open secret. Yeah. The number of yeah. people in and around the BYU program who 100% believe Pope was going to be the coach and when looking yeah. right in the eye or, you know, text you, I 100% believe Pope is going to be the guy.
1: Well, I had someone that I was uh, communicating with during the coaching search, and it lingered on a little bit, and it made me a little nervous. And the guy texts me. I said, He said, I already told you who's going to be the hmm. coach. Why do you keep asking me? Because they haven't done it yet. (laughs) and I I know. It's like uh, I I had Ian Furness on, and I was asking him, hey, DJ's leaving the station. Should I follow him? (laughs) And he was driving from Portland to Seattle. And after about 90 minutes, I kept asking him. And he finally said, are you even paying attention to me? I told you to keep the brand together. Why are you making me repeat myself? I've already given I've given you my answer. Stop asking me this same question over and over again, just rephrasing it in different words. I told you what I think you should do. And he said it in a manner like, I go, Oh man, I better do this. <laughs> he said it as some and he was an advisor to me at the time and I really valued his opinion, which is the reason why I called him in the first place. So and there was the same thing here, same time like I already told you who's going to be the coach. This is the guy. This is who they want. He wants it. He's going to take it. They're going through negotiations. It will be done. So, and they made clearly made made the right move. Pope looks like uh, he is one hundred percent the right man for the job. I just don't know that there's somebody out there for Utah, and and I and I I, I have a bias here. I like Larry, and so I want to see him keep his job. I still think they can get it done. And maybe I'm the fool. And, and maybe I'm Lucy, or I'm Charlie Brown here, and Lucy's going to keep that football there, and I'm actually going to get to kick it. Maybe this is the time. I get it. I'm sticking my neck out when the easy thing to say is, well, look at the results. The results speak for themselves. What are you doing, you fool? And look at all that other stuff that you said, how they've done all this other, all these other years, when you don't make the tournament, then whatever the... Uh, the time frame is, you're gone. And I, I can't argue any of that.
2: And I, and I really wanted to get into this with Larry, and he clearly really didn't want to get into it, and we kind of had to respect the fact that well, he does have a game oh, not Wednesday. The time. Sure yeah. he's got a game Wednesday. but I still want to get into it because we don't get him on that often, and hopefully we'll get him on again so we can go big picture. If you're going to bring back a guy who's gone 45 and 42 <laughs> the last three years, I mean, when they opened that practice facility PK, <clears throat> they brought back so many former Utes. Different generations of glory years were there. Whether you loved the team in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, there were players there. And several of them, but one of them specifically, but several of them generally said this, but one of them very specifically said to me is this ups the stakes. This has always been a school where you need to go to the NCAA tournament or you need to explain what got screwed up. And then if you have – that's that needs to be the average, the norm. And then if you have a big year, okay, then you win a game or two. He says, if you're in the Sweet 16, that's a great year. That's a memorable year. He says, now they're in a Power 5 league with access to better seeds and uh, more at large spots. And they've got this facility with this history tradition fan base. He says, man, I don't want to say they're UCLA because they're not, but – they need to be in the Sweet Sixteen a lot more now, and the big year, the Final Four, is no longer a crazy thought. Everything's in place, and it all made sense to me standing there. Everything that got laid out for me, and now, if I'm the AD, if I'm Mark Harlan, if I'm bringing Larry back, there's two reasons. One, I simply have been told by people above me we can't either we can't afford to do it, which I don't really believe. I think they can't afford to do it, or. We don't want to do it. The optics are horrible, and we're going to get pushback from donors and the state legislature. We just don't want to do it. We don't do it. Okay? If your bosses tell you don't do it, then don't do it. But if you're going to bring him back for basketball reasons, then you got to sit down with Larry and you got to say, tell me all the stuff you've screwed up and tell me how you fixed it. because. Utah shouldn't be going 45 and 42 over three years. And I need to know specifically how you fixed it so that this isn't happening again. Because you need to get back to being an NCA team, and you probably need to meet these heightened expectations that ex-players, boosters, fans all have because they did build that expensive building for a reason. They did refurbish the practice courts and rebuild them and put in all those locker rooms for a reason. It was to give them an edge so they could be more than a team That usually goes to the NCAA tournament, and then in the big year goes Sweet 16.
1: Okay, does that mean they're going to fire him then?
2: I I think they're going to bring him back because of the money. I think the optics are terrible, and they don't want to do it.
1: And you think they should fire him?
2: But I don't think, I don't have any expectations. You know, because we've done this show. I haven't had any expectations for the last two years that it was going to get better, and it didn't get better.
1: OK, he made a statement last night. Maybe y'all can cut it up and we can get to it. He made a statement in his postgame. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's very, very close. Despite all the noise, I have no reason to believe the program is not on the rise. You can hear that. He said it himself. OK, is the pro is the program on the rise?
2: No, I, d- I don't believe it is because of what I've seen. They went 23 and 12, then it dropped to 17 and 14, then it dropped to 16 and 15, now it's dropped to 12 and 13. I, I'd love to tell you I see it on the rise. Well, you're basing I it wish it on, you were I'm on the not rise.
1: i basing it on 12 or but 22 victories three years ago. You're basing it on now. Is the program on the rise?
2: It doesn't look like it to me. They're still blowing halftime leads, they're still wildly inconsistent. It's stuff we've been complaining about for years. I'd love to tell you it is. And not just because, you know, I like Larry and he's a good interview, so bring him back. But you and I both know assistant coaches. There's a guy up there who played up there. I don't want them to get fired. Never wish that on people. Don't do that. But I can't look you in the face and tell you, I think this program is on the rise. Watching the last five years of basketball, especially the last three. Now, if he's made some changes somehow at his core and the core of the program that are going to pay off, I mean, then I guess you could bring him back. And I, and I think the issue of money is looming, and the optics of it are looming out there. All right, DJ PK, you can weigh in on all of that. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. The Jazz, the second half, part two of the question of the day. We will get to it next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to bettervision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, part two question of the day. We just had the question about the Utes. How about one about the Jazz? They play the Houston Rockets tonight. The all-star break is over for most teams in the NBA. There were 11 games last night. It ends for the Jazz Tonight, they'll be back at it. 36 games down, 36 to go. What are your expectations as the Jazz begin the second half of the season? And Tyler says, simply, championship or bust. Tyler wants it all, and he wants it now. Grayson says, I want the one seed. We got the players that can make that happen.
1: Well, that's for sure. You already have it. So.
2: But Steven says, I expect to maintain a top three seed. He's not locked into number one.
1: Yeah, minimum, man. Minimum.
2: Tron says they win out. No, they're not winning out. Not winning 36 in a row.
1: Well, I went through and looked at it because I posted the question. And so I went through and looked at the schedule. Yeah. Wow. Did
2: that make you slightly nauseous? That's not really a you thing.
1: Yeah, I know, but this is what we're talking about. PK schedule? What? Uh, So I didn't obsess over it, but I went. Because uh, people have been talking about how they have the easiest schedule or the second easiest or what have you. So I was just trying to get a gauge on where I thought that they could be uh, victory total wise. So they got 36 games left, right? And to me,. Reasonably, I try to be somewhat conservative and not be outrageous. Uh, I have 28 wins and low-end 24 wins.
2: So basically keep doing what they're doing. They went 27-9. and You got them in the same ballpark.
1: Yeah, because I don't think what they did was a fluke. And so there would be no reason not to have a, at least a ballpark repeat of what they've already done, because it's not like I looked at dudes and said, "Oh, and they've really they've had career years. How could they possibly keep this going?" I didn't really see that. I didn't see anybody. Just, I mean, Donovan Mitchell scoring fifty plus points in, in the bubble. Okay, that jumped out at you, right? Well, he he didn't really, he didn't really do anything that just went, "Wow, man, I didn't see that coming." No, this is pretty much who he is. You know, he'll have a better game than others sometimes along the line. That's just natural with shooting. But really, that's the way I looked at the team. So, yes, I'm expecting them to at least ballpark somewhere between 24 at the low end, 28 at the high end.
2: Did you have them uh, splitting with the Lakers in that two-game set, the most intriguing two games of the second well, half of the I season? I think I
1: actually factored into them losing both. That's what I was saying. I was trying to be conservative mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, uh, predictions. There's no reason why you know. I don't know who's going to play in that. Well, for the Lakers at that point, but I mean, it's not like uh, I'm guaranteeing you they're going to lose both. And I had them losing the Phoenix going down there. You know, try to try to be conservative in my picks and not just look at it in totally rose-colored glasses.
2: All right, Rick's checking in eight five five three four O Zone. Rick, good morning.
0: Hey guys. Hey. So, if you break down this team, if you look at the statistics and the eye test, this is a team that can win it all. Um, the shortcoming that statistics shows about this team, and it's only two things. They don't create turnovers, and they commit turnovers. So that means they're a little bit one-on-one defenders. They're not that good. Bogey's not any good. He's bottom half of his position. Joe Ingles, who used to use his IQ to play defense, he's slower now. He doesn't even get steals anymore. So an athlete can do what he wants with him. Donovan literally turns the switch off in the first half. The reason, even during this great run, we were behind every game in the first half is because Donovan just sits back because he doesn't move without the ball. So he's thinking in the first half, let's distribute, let's make sure everybody gets touches, which is good. We have enough depth for other people to carry the team. But the problem is he doesn't move without the ball. And in the second half, Donovan can carry you, but if he's not hitting his shots and he's being inefficient, he can also sink you. Unlike other stars for other teams, they're either carrying you or they're an ingredient to winning. Donovan, if he is not carrying you, he's actually hurting you. So I'm kind of glad Shaq was the bad guy that opened his big mouth. He was out of place. He has no business telling Donovan, you know, what he should be doing, but he's right. And I'm glad he had to do it rather than a coach or a Utah, somebody on the jazz. But Donovan has got to learn to be, when he's not carrying, to just be an ingredient, you know, because he's, he's, he turns the switch off on defense, especially in the first half. He doesn't move without the ball. The Jazz are a very good team. They've got what it takes to win in this NBA, which is three-point shooting and defend the goal. Now, what I wish they would do, if they're ahead in the fourth quarter with six minutes, which means just get stops. You get stops, this offense will score on anybody. I wish they would play favors with Rudy in the last six minutes. Why? The reason that went away was because the only person in the NBA that you couldn't play with those two was Ricky Rubio, because literally you just leave him alone, which means you only have two short shooters on the court. Nowadays you need three minimum. The Jazz always have four. They have six guys they can plug in those other three positions with Rudy and favors on the court. I wish he would notice that, because then it would turn every team in the fourth quarter into a jump shooting they can't attack the basket which against the Jazz when just Rudy's out there you kind of can. If you play it right, you know, cuz Rudy's a great goal defender but when it comes down to two against one, he's not superman. All right, uh, thanks I, thanks, the thanks for the
2: call it. Rick. We're up against it. We got to we got to run here uh PK. What? Championship or worry about the playoff matchups when we get there and just worry about the second half of the season now.
1: Oh, for sure. Worry about the task at hand. What's the point of worrying about the playoffs now?
2: All right. Uh, Robert says, win the games that they should be in and uh, make sure they are in every game. No blowouts. Do you care about blowouts? Do you care about the occasional off night when they get lit up?
1: Well, I do in the moment. Yeah. And what I mean by that, you know, the Denver thing is like, uh-oh. Were they just on a hot streak? And Denver exposed them. Well, going forward, there, even in the games they lost afterward, unless I'm missing any of them, they were all close games. So, in a sense, even though an L is an L, I feel better about uh, Philadelphia and New Orleans and Miami than I did Denver. So, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter. So, uh, there's enough body of work that the occasional blowout. Even even though even in a blowout though I still there's different forms of blowouts and I'm getting real nitpicky here and I don't like to do that uh, but I, I get your point that sometimes they just happen and so what's the point of dwelling on it in the NBA when you're going to get on a plane or go home and have come back in a day or two and play another game you got to keep moving so I understand the point there but uh, I I like. Closer losses in which you fight and battle. I I, I took nothing negative away from that Philly loss. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing was negative about it. And I even appreciated the postgame stuff. Go down swinging, man. That's what Larry Kostobiec said on our uh, air on Monday. If we're going to go down, go down swinging. And the good thing for the Utes is they went down swinging against SC. I think we can all agree with that. So you can live with those things a lot easier. But continue to do what they do. And that's an interesting thing, though, you know, should you be playing favors and go bear a little bit towards the end of the game, which is really going to tighten up your defense? You know, in that overtime, if uh, favors would have been on uh, Tobias Harris, would they have, or if favors would have been on the floor, would they have just isolated Bogdanovich like that completely? Probably not. Can they hold the one
2: seed the rest of the year? I got to say, that's where my expectation is. Now that they've got it and they've got a little bit of a cushion. But if they lost the one seed, and they they got the Suns twice in Phoenix, right? You just looked at the schedule. I didn't, but I'm one pretty sure they last did. night. Yeah, so. but they got the Lakers twice in L.A. I think they've got the Suns twice in Phoenix. And you know how do you handle the big games? If you dominated the big games but slipped up and ended the two seed, I'd probably I'd probably have more confidence. If they lose all the big games and hold on to the one seed because they do a better job cleaning up against the. Uh, the bottom of the league, and and because they're healthier, and you know the Lakers have gone three and seven here going into the break because they didn't have AD. But if you can't beat the healthy Lakers and you're the one seed because you are healthier than they were, I don't think that'd give me the confidence I want going into the postseason. I Have to see what it looks like when you get there, but that'd be a little bit of a worry. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on holding on to the one seed. You, you've got a really good team and you've got the lead here with 36 games to go, and you've got a favorable schedule. But the big games are going to mean more to me because you're going to have to beat those teams in the playoffs and how do you match up with them. And I know the regular season games aren't a perfect measuring stick, but they're the only one we've got right now. All right, DJ and PK, uh, we're getting more reaction on Larry Kristoviak. Stay with us. We will get to your feedback. Where do you think the U program should go from here? That's coming up next. David Locke is here at 830. Chris Camerani at 9 o'clock on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.